The first reading is from Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who, care, who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm for today is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The second reading is from the book of Ephesians, the second chapter. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the, his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Well, the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him that all they had done and taught. <clears throat> and he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. 
And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour now is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it, them, give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found out, <clears throat> they said, Five loaves and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of, of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is the gospel of the Lord. We heard a lot today about the Lord as a shepherd. Does anyone know where a shepherd was on the totem pole of ancient societies? Like kings being up here, peasants. Yeah, right? Way down there. The lowest. Yet, the Lord God, the Omega, the Almighty God of the universe, as a shepherd, is a common theme throughout the Bible. It's interesting, isn't it? That the Lord is a shepherd to his people, and we're his flock. And it's been that way from the beginning, right? In Genesis, Jacob called the Lord the shepherd, the rock of Israel. In John 10, Jesus clearly spoke of himself as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep and who can say, I know my sheep and am known by my own. It's us. Hey. Right? There's a story in medieval folklore of a, of a humble farmer. He just had one horse. And one day that horse ran away. His neighbor came over and said, man, bad luck. It's bad luck your horse ran away. He said, ah, what do I know about luck? A few days later, that same horse came back with 20 wild horses. His neighbor came over and said, man, that's great luck. It's good luck, man. He said, ah, what do I know about these things? A few days later, his son was taming one of the wild horses and it kicked him, broke his leg. The neighbor came back over. That's terrible what happened. I'm sorry, it's bad luck. He said, nah, what do I know about luck? A few days later, a gang of bandits and thugs came through town. They were recruiting able-bodied young men to join their gang by force. They saw the young man with his broken leg. He said, ah, we don't want him. Move on. The neighbor came back over. <laughs> Good luck, his leg's broken, right? I guess all this is to say, it's funny, you know, in, in one little series of episodes... We don't really know what lies ahead. But I would argue that we, we often 
overlook God's work. We see it as good fortune or bad luck or coincidence, right? And in a godless world, this would absolutely be the case, right? Because what else is there other than the, the statistics and the, and the math of it all? Earlier in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians 1.10, it reads, He might gather together in one all things in Christ. Y'all, there are very few groups in the history of the world that hated each other, like the Gentiles and the Jews of that day. Yet Paul was able to bring the Jews and Gentiles together in one body, in one church, where our unity in Jesus is way bigger than anything that might otherwise divide us, right? Paul tells us today that Jesus himself is our peace. He doesn't say, hey, you know, God and stuff and then peace. No, no, God, he is our peace. The wall that once divided us, the many walls that seem to divide us in today's world, they're broken. They're broken down. They're gone, y'all. Broken down by Jesus. The walls are gone because Jesus is greater than anything that would otherwise divide us. And I believe if the lordship of Jesus Christ isn't greater in your life than any difference you might have with others, whether it's political or racial or geographic or, or, or language or economic, I don't care, whatever walls you might have up in your life today, Jesus isn't bigger than those. I would, I would encourage you, I would challenge you to start working toward fully understanding the lordship of Jesus Christ and embracing it. Because I think that's what the world needs now more than ever. In fact, early Christians called themselves a third race, a new race, a new man. There was no longer Jew or Gentile, right? It was just one new man in Jesus, embracing all who are Jesus. Our job must then be to utilize God's blessings, right? To spread that word and that love. What else are we here for? We'll never fully understand everything that happens in this life, right? Never have, never will. But I think the only way to recognize God's work and God's plan is to be in the word and to be in prayer, keeping our eyes on Jesus, staying close to the shepherd. In David's Psalms, we often see a more distant, you know, king or deliverer, right? When he talks about God or like the, the impersonal rock, or shield. But here we see David calls the Lord his shepherd. That's, that's intimate, isn't it? David knew this metaphor in a unique way, right? Having been a shepherd himself, he knew that the shepherd lives with his flock. He's everything to the flock. He's the guide, the, the protector, the provider, the handler, everything. David meant this in a very personal sense. It wasn't just that the Lord was a shepherd in a theoretical sense, blah, blah, blah. No, he, he was a real personal shepherd to David. 
But I believe David was right there. He felt in himself that, that he had the nature of a sheep. I think we all do, right? I do. I know I do. I relate to sheep. I relate to sheep and its, its foolishness, its dependency, the warped nature of its, of its will, its spiritual aimlessness. But Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. David's like, dude, I'm a, I'm a sheep. I don't know what I need. I don't know what's best for myself. I need my shepherd. Right? And that's the beauty of it. Sheep don't know where the green pastures or still waters are, but it doesn't matter. They don't need to. They just need to know where their shepherd is. Today's reading tells us the Lord will lead us into righteousness. But y'all, we got to know where he is. We got to keep our eyes on him. Is God maybe telling you through David here that stop trying to do everything alone? Maybe stop trying to navigate the hellscape that is this world all by yourself. Stop thinking you know what's best. Turn to the Lord. Admit you're a sheep and become part of his flock. Right? The Bible tells us through him we have all access by one spirit to the Father, and that's done through Christ. And that's the Holy Trinity that's still with and in us today. Right? The gospel reading today is one that we've all been familiar with since, what, Sunday school, right? The, the miraculous, the, the feeding of the 5,000. One picture I want you to kind of have in your head as we talk through this is, is of that crowd. 5,000 people. We're talking about a sold-out concert venue. We're talking about a huge crowd, right? But they didn't have a concert venue. They had a dusty field and this crowd was, was desperate, needy, and hungry, in raggedy clothes, just there to see Jesus. You know, I think the disciples often saw crowds as, as work, as, as demands, especially at a time like this when their well-deserved rest was being interrupted by this big, demanding crowd, right? It's understandable. I think it's interesting that Jesus and the disciples saw the exact same thing when they looked out into that crowd. They identified the exact same need. And it says Jesus looked into the crowd and was moved with compassion. He looked out into the crowd and out among all the faces, and in each face he saw a need a hunger, or a hurt. The disciple solution was simple, right? They are like, Lord, let's get rid of this need by just getting rid of the needy, right? That's easy. What, are we going to spend a year's salary trying to feed them when they're going to be hungry again in a few hours? Lord, let's just send them away. They annoy us. Let's send them away and rest. I probably would have said the same thing. 
not happy about it or proud of it. But we, we are, in our nature, very self-centered, aren't we? We live our life through our own eyes. And our experiences mold who we are and how we think and how we act. We, 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 I, I, I. That's how we look at the world. It's human nature. Unfortunately, that's human nature. But Jesus looked out into this tense, noisy, demanding, unruly crowd, and he saw a bunch of sheep without a shepherd. He cared more about their needs than his own. And hear me when I say that. He truly, genuinely cared about their needs more than his own. He wanted to sit down and have dinner with his flock because he loved them. C.S. Lewis wrote that there's four types of love. There's godly love, parental love, brotherly and friendship love, and then there's romantic love. Y'all, the other three have no point of reference without that first one, that godly love. It's what the Greeks call agape. You can't really define love until you understand that agape love, right? The godly love. The love that brought us into existence and brought us together here today. C.S. Lewis goes on to say, you can't love without giving, whether that's time, money, talent, compassion, whatever it is, whatever your gift is. And God gave us the most precious gift of all, right? And his son, he gave his only begotten son. All that's to say that God can't be defined apart from love. God is love. And if our culture's messed up, that's where it's messed up, right? I don't feel like we have, have a definition or a point of reference for love anymore. You see it everywhere today in the world. We've taken this beautiful word, word and we've, we've perverted it and twisted it. We've lost sight of it. We've completely bungled it. We have picked our own pockets. You love your car, right? You love your house. You love your dog. You love the new countertops. You love food. You love coffee. You love your wife and kids. You love your, you love your husband and you love God. It's all the same word. C.S. Lewis says that's not so for the Greeks, though. And I'm now going to butcher the pronunciation of each of the Greek words. They have four words for love. They had agape. That's the godly love, right? Storge. That's the parental love, protection. Phileo, I think. Um, and that's the, the brotherly and friendship love. And then eros, the romantic love. And y'all, the last three 
hang on, on, a, on the peg of the first, right? That's what we're talking about. We can't have it without godly love. Each of those three hangs on the peg of that agape, godly love. You ever lost a friend? Ever lost a love? Serious breakdown in communication? My fiance and I have argued before. Anyone else have that experience? No, just us. Okay. That's cool. You know, I think we're pretty good at communicating, and when it happens, we, we kind of trace it back to this stress fracture, whatever it was in our relationship. And once we've identified it, we can, we can typically trace it back. There's a good chance that someone didn't hang love on the peg of the eternal love of God himself. I was talking to a good friend of mine lately, recently, and he's a, he's a devout Muslim, really smart guy. He said to me, you know, I, I get the gospel and the works and the, and the disciples spreading the word. You know, what I don't understand is the cross. How can you have a God who's at the mercy of his own people? How can you have a Christ that's the son of God getting bullied and tortured? Where's his strength? Where's his power? We got to talking more, and it, and it turns out you don't hear many sermons on forgiveness from an Islamic pulpit. You won't hear sermons on forgiveness in Buddhist preachings either. You don't hear it in the pantheo- pantheistic worldview. In karma, it's like, you'll, you'll get what's coming to you. Oh, oh, you'll pay for that one, right? And there's even a lot of new religions, I think, you know, popping up in probably Hollywood basements. I don't know where they're created, but they, you know, it's amazing with all the religions out there. We are still the only one with a God who gave himself for us. I've often heard Pastor Carpenter call the Bible the greatest love story ever recorded. It's beautiful, isn't it? That's what it is. God not only humbled himself to a human life, but he compared himself to a shepherd, the lowliest position. Then he said, on top of that, I'll do you one better. Here's my only begotten son. He's going to die a horrific death. He's going to die as a guilty sinner for the sake of a bunch of guilty sinners. Whoa. Right? I I have some friends that have no relationship with Jesus. A couple of those friends like to talk about it. And it always comes down to one question. Why Christianity? Unfortunately, it doesn't usually work well to say, well, let's start with Genesis. I'll walk you through it. How much time you got? (laughs) I don't believe there's any one single thing you can say there to convince them of anything. 
But it's pretty clear in the gospel today that if someone left hungry, if someone left that crowd of 5,000 hungry, it was because they refused to eat. Right? Jesus supplied plenty for everyone to eat a good meal, but everyone had to eat for themselves. All we can do is lead other people to our shepherd. And we do that through our words and our actions, my friends. We do that by loving them the way our shepherd loves us. That's how we get people there. It's not one convincing argument or a few words. If it were, those words would be inscribed on every cross across the world. These are the words that convert people, right? It's not it. And this isn't about us. It's about God working through us. It's about us having the will to ask God to fill our hearts and minds with his mercy and grace and love. Like so often we get lost in what's best for us. And if we have some money, time, energy, talents left over at the end of the day, we may throw somebody a bone. but you have to get into the word and be in prayer to start to understand what God was telling us through folks like Mark and David and Paul, all the readings we heard today. You know, the point is we have the same opportunity that the disciples did to have a relationship with the exact same God and Son and Holy Spirit that we read about in the Bible. We think so much about this world and this life that we lose sight of our shepherd. We forget what green pastures and still waters are. We forget that the only way to get to them is by keeping our eye on the good shepherd. By building and strengthening the relationship that God has made available to us through the Holy Trinity. This world is spiraling. It's spiraling in the wrong direction. We live in a world that's a cultural and spiritual mess and that mess may not make it harder to find Jesus but sometimes it's difficult to remember to look for him as we move forward this week I have some hopes and challenges for all of us I challenge you and myself to keep in mind that we are in nature we're sheep we're part of Jesus' flock. I challenge us to stay close to and, and trust in our shepherd. And trust that he'll lead us to green pastures and still waters. I hope we're able to make it a priority to stay in prayer, seek nourishment and wisdom in the word, in God's love letter to us, right? I hope that we focus on hanging our love on the peg of his unconditional, eternal love. And lastly, I hope that when we look out into that crowd, wherever it is, I hope we see what Jesus did and that we love each and every person in it and actively seek out those faces to address the need or the hunger or the hurt. 
Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit fills everyone here and everyone worshiping with us today, that we meet those faces in the crowd with the unconditional love and grace of Jesus Christ. And I'll steal one last phrase from Pastor Carpenter. God, help us be that church. Amen. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Stand as you are able, please. Lord God, we place before you now these offerings, signs of our stewardship of what you have given us to manage. We know that through these offerings and the sharing of our talents and abilities, the ministries of Emmanuel Lutheran Church are made possible and powerful. We pray for those among us who will use these offerings, that the decisions they make will be wise, will build up your kingdom, and will please you. So having placed them before you, we pray your blessing on them. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for all the people in their various needs, for the church around the world, and for those near and dear to us. Gracious Heavenly Father, uphold and strengthen all families on earth. Help parents keep their marital vows to love. Help the church keep its baptismal vows to teach children all that you have done and promised. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we live in a culture of distractions and diversions. Help us to focus our hearts and minds on the things of first importance, the way, the truth, and the life as revealed by Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you have shown your goodness to the people of Emmanuel Lutheran Church. Through the scriptures and your Holy Spirit, you have made known your reason and purpose for our lives, that we would know you and make you known. If it gives you glory, give each of us your wisdom, that we would know the details of how to best accomplish your holy will. Give us courage to pursue your holy will. Give us strength and all necessary resources to complete your holy will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Remember, O Lord, all who join with us in prayer, all our sisters and brothers, wherever they may be in your vast kingdom, who stand in need of your guidance, strength, and comfort. Especially we pray for those we name in our hearts now. In their time of trouble, assure them of your presence and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, you have graciously forgiven us for Jesus' sake. Open doors of opportunity for this congregation to be a welcoming place for wounded and burdened people. Grant us to tell them what you have to say to them, words of forgiveness, peace, truth, and hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray. We trust in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we boldly pray. Amen. Amen. And let us pray the prayer our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.